Welcome to those of you joining us at the other sites. Uh, it's a unique weekend. Uh, we have baptisms here at Downs Road, which is going to fill up a good part of our service. Uh, those of you who've been around know that we've been studying the book of John, and so we've come to a natural kind of a, a breaking point. The end of John chapter 4 and John chapter 5 is a natural pause point. And so next weekend, we start into Christmas uh, messages for our Advent season and then get back to John. Already looking forward to January when we're back into the book of John. But this weekend is our annual general celebration and talking about the things that uh, God is doing as we look forward into the future and looking back in the past. And so it's a little bit of a unique uh, service. And if you're visiting with us, it's not sort of our normal fare going through books of the Bible, but just taking a break uh, to talk a little bit about some of the bigger picture stuff that's been happening around the church and things that we're on about and that the Lord is doing. So I want to just jump right in because we've got baptisms and I am supposed to keep this sermon short. So it's going to be a little bit less, but I'm just going to plow in and I want to talk to you about three important things. I want to talk about South Asia. I want to talk about Newfoundland and I want to talk about a million dollar giveaway. Does that sound exciting? So you might remember about 15 months ago in the summer, we came to you uh, with information about a project in South Asia, a bunch of our partners that were building a training center uh, for Christian leaders there and a building that was almost nearing completion, but they were short about $750,000. And they said, hey, would Northview consider taking a giant offering and helping us finish this off? And we're like, you know what? We want to try to tackle half a million dollars. So we came to you in the summer, which is not a great time to take an offering, but in the month of August, and through your generosity, we raised that money. Since then, that money has been sent, the building has been finished, it has been dedicated, it is being in use, and we got this wonderful thank you video that came in the summer, and we've not had the chance in a weekend service to be able to show this. So we're gonna start there by showing you a thank you video from some of the folks on the ground in South Asia so you can see, and actually you can see the building that you were part of helping to build. So turn your eyes to this video. From the beginning, our vision is uh, to prepare the people of North India, which is the most unreached uh, people groups, is located in the 1040 window. We need to encourage the churches, even though they are small in number, we need to encourage them. And uh, by encouraging them, our vision is not to prepare the full-time pastors, but we want to make uh, prepare full-time Christians. Full-time, 24 into 7, that they should feel that the Lord is in me, according to 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you are the Spirit of God, that you are the, your, your heart is the temple of God, and the Spirit of God is in you? Uh, we are bringing the people of North India, the young people of North India, both men and women, to train in this DTS course and send them back to their homes, to their churches, to their denominations, to witness as a full-time Christians. Out of 200 people uh, of the DTS uh, alumni, uh, now there are 70 people around are working with DMI ministries uh, in different parts of North India. And this center, Jyoti Niketan, our, our vision is, uh, this is the dwelling of the light. We want to open this one to all the denominations, for all the churches to come and then uh, use the, the facility to equip their leaders. Uh, the church is not like a, a pond, not like a tank which is surrounded by four 
uh, four walls. It's like a river, the flowing river, the living waters. So that the church needs to keep growing, keep flowing from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. That is our vision for this center. So thank you so much, uh, Northview, for your love and prayers and support. God bless you. Thank you so much. Cool. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of cool to see the real pictures and, uh, and what your donations went to help build. And it's, it's exciting to talk about the partnerships overseas uh, and to pray for our missionaries who go to various parts of the world. But, but also closer to home, uh, you will know this, that we have embraced a vision as a church to say we want to be part of the renewal of our nation right here at home in Canada. And the need in Canada is so great. Specifically, we're wording it this way, we would love to see the day when there's a gospel church within reach of every Canadian. And you're like, isn't that already true? Well, no, it's not already true. And obviously, Northview cannot do that alone. Uh, it's way too big for us as one local church. We need partners all across the country. We've been looking for strategic partners. And so you might remember about a year ago, Pastor Stephen Bray from St. John's Newfoundland stood right here on this stage, and he shared a message with us and shared the vision that he has to see Newfoundland re-evangelized. And we say re-evangelized because this province now is less than 1% evangelical. And a vision of a little Baptist church to start a new mission, a mission called Mile One Mission, focused specifically on Newfoundland Labrador and, and a hope and a dream that they could plant 50 new churches in the coming 20 years. It's a massive vision for this little group of people. So in August, about uh, midway uh, into that month, four of our pastors visited back in Newfoundland, uh, spiritual awareness and looking and asking God what, what kind of partnerships could look like. When we got back, I told you a lot of the stories, uh, some of the obstacles and the opposition that this little mission has faced, the key issue of not having facilities and not being able to rent facilities because of some of their theological distinctives. And since then, some amazing stuff has happened, and so we're gonna show another video, and this one's from Newfoundland, and it'll get you updated with what's been happening back there. Greetings, Northview Community Church, and I'm bringing you greetings on the steps of what, Lord willing, will be the future home of Calvary Baptist Church, and this location will become the future home of Mile One Mission as our base. A little bit of history here about our city. There's been a lot of scandal, and tragically, there was a large scandal in the Roman Catholic Church, and just recently, the courts awarded the victims of that scandal to have to receive $50 million as a way to handle that, the diocese of the Roman Catholic Church put all their facilities up for sale. To be honest, I never even thought about it. There is so little gospel here. There's such entrenched tribalism here. We never even thought that this would be something we could look into. But on a step of faith, me and some others came over to this particular place, the steps I'm standing on, which was formerly called Mary Queen of the World, a Roman Catholic Church built here in the early 1980s. We visited and toured the place. Let me just give you a picture of this. It's four acres of land with a 16,000 square foot steel structure brick building with a steeple and a cross and a church bell and chimes. It has a sanctuary that holds over 400. 
There's another building on this site that used to house where the priest would live. It's 6,000 square feet and will become, Lord willing, the future home of Mile One Mission. In an absolute miracle of God, our church garnered together what was a modest bid, and believe it or not, for $1.3 million, we were able to successfully purchase this property on the steps where I stand right now. By God's grace, the future home of Calvary Baptist Church, the future home of Mile One Mission. So thank you, everybody. God bless you. Pray for us. Yeah, that's cool too, eh? Yeah. So the Coles notes, uh, to bring you up to speed from since the time that that video was shot, uh, the sale has gone through. The church actually moved in the first week of uh, November, and it, it's incredible that like 1.3 million, there's a lot of houses in Abbotsford, are just as one individual house, right? 1.3 million. Four acres of land, a paved parking lot, 16,000 square foot church, and a 6,000 foot rectory. So the church has secured a mortgage, they've gotten in there, but the building and the rectory need about $700,000 in renovations. And so we would like to help them. So that's what we're putting in front of you. Specifically, what we've decided we want to tackle is to renovate that rectory because it's going to become the headquarters for Mile One Mission, and it's also going to become housing for church planters who are in training, and rather than trying to buy or find rentals, they can just stay right there while they're in training for their church planting. The estimated cost of that is $400,000, and so we've got two fifty dollars already set aside, and so we're asking you if you would consider in the next couple weeks to contribute to this offering for Newfoundland, and we would like to raise another $150,000, Lord willing. So I'm just going to ask you if you would just simply pray about it. And if the Lord doesn't lay it on your heart, that's fine. But if the Lord does lay it on your heart and you'd like to contribute toward that, then just get on the website and you go to the giving page and there's a drop down there that'll just say Newfoundland Project or something like that. And you can find it and you can contribute to that. Now, some of you are going, okay, so where'd that 250 come from? And maybe your ears perked up earlier when I said a million dollar giveaway. Did anybody perk up when I said that? Short story... But back at the end of June, we received a very large inheritance gift as a church from the estate of one of our church members. And if you read the year-end financials in the AGM report, you've already seen this big surplus at the end of the year, and that's what that came from. And so this 250 that we've already set aside came from that gift. So our council of elders have been praying and discerning how should we use this estate gift, but one of the very quick and early decisions was regardless of what we do with the rest of it, we want to give away a million bucks to our partners, to church planning initiatives uh, all across Canada, and, and then just set the rest of it aside, put it there in a fund, and in case we've got anything coming up in the future, like, oh, we might be building a building, well, let's set it aside for now for discussion. And so Tuesday, we're going to talk a lot about this. I'm not going to take any more time now. All the pro projects we want to support, but today, all I wanted to ask you is, would you join us, invite you to join us in that Newfoundland project? So the reason I'm excited about these kind of partnerships is because of the vision that we embraced five, six years ago to become a multiplying church, that we made a decision consciously to said, we want to be part of something bigger than just Northview. Bigger than just this one local congregation, that we want to see more and better leaders trained. We want to see more and better churches planted across the country. 
But truthfully, and you know this, that the majority, like 95% of our time and attention is focused right here at home as it should be. Right in our own backyard, Abbotsford, Mission, Chilliwack, Aldergrove, the Fraser Valley, this place that we call home, the places we live and work and play, and the idea of making more and better disciples. So we're 42 years old as a church. And as we look, so we're looking at that, like that big 5-0 is coming up. Like seven, eight years from now, we're going to be 50, like middle age, right? And we're asking the Lord, what kind of an impact would you want us to have alongside, of course, the work that the Holy Spirit is doing? Because the bottom line is this, it is his work, not our work. And he is going to do what he's going to do. Or as I put it this way, uh, that you could remember this thought, that God is faithful to accomplish all that he has promised to accomplish. So as you read through his book and you say all the promises that he has said, these things are going to happen, God is faithful and he will accomplish it. And frankly, he will do it with us or without us. But there's this incredible image in Ephesians 3 where it says, now through the church, that's an interesting phrase, through the people of God, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. In other words, that God can and will use us to make a difference that actually resound in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual battle that is raging all around our lives. And a few verses later, he summarizes that paragraph with this, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. He can do even more than we dream up. So in our short time that we've got together today, I want to remind you of three things. You've heard them before, but I'll remind you again. Our mission, our mission field, and our missional challenge. So the mission is very easy. It's very simple because it is not our mission, actually. It's Jesus' mission. So it's crystal clear. We don't have to debate it. He told us in Matthew 28, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So our mission is simple. It's easy. It's straightforward. Make disciples. Tell the story of Jesus to as many people as you can in as many ways as you can. Share with a broken, hurting world that there is a path to healing and wholeness, and flourishing, that the, the, the sins that have so destroyed the lives we live can actually be forgiven. They can be wiped away, and, and the just penalty for our sin has been paid, but not just the penalty, the power of sin over our lives has also been broken in Jesus Christ, that you can actually live a life of freedom today. That's the gospel message. And so our goal, uh, we state it this way, to help people become deeply rooted followers of Jesus. That's what we want to see happen. Get your roots down deep. And and the two key areas that we really believe we need to strengthen in these coming years are our evangelistic effectiveness and our prayer. Evangelism and prayer. And the reason we're pressing into those two things in particular is because of this. This might shock you, but I need to say it. That the Fraser Valley is no longer a Bible Belt. Have you heard people call it the Bible Belt? Well, no longer. Because the vast majority of this valley has no contact with the gospel. So let's just talk about our mission field for a a couple moments. So there's a verse in 1 Chronicles that I love, talking about the men of Issachar, David's mighty men. And it said they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They understood their times 
and they knew what the nation should do. Missiologists call that contextualization or understanding the field that God has given us. So the 2021 census uh, last year is now being codified and all the data is coming out of it. And there's a lot more to, to study, but two things are becoming very clear. Number one is the, the rise of the religious nuns, no religious affiliation. It's the fastest growing group in Canada. And secondly, the decline of the Christian majority. So let me just throw some of the stats from 2021's census up on the screen. 53% of Canadians now claim that they are Christian. That's down 14% in the last decade. Only 37% of those from age 25 to 34 claim to be Christian. It's down 20%. If you look at British Columbia in particular, if you look right here at home, 34% of British Columbians claim to be Christian. And then look at that next stat, 52%. It's now the majority in British Columbia who claim to have no religious affiliation whatsoever. In fact, six of the 10 most secular cities over 100,000 in all of Canada are here in British Columbia. And the most secular postal code in the whole nation, 72% who say we have no religious affiliation is Squamish, British Columbia. This is our backyard. So you say, well, what about Abbotsford Mission? Surely it's different for us. Well, the drop from 47% Christian to now 35% who identify as Christian and 37% who say no religious affiliation whatsoever. And then all the rest are a variety of other beliefs. 210,000 people in Abbotsford and Mission combined and 135,000 have no connection to Christianity. What's really shocking, however, is when you look at that stat, the 52% that claim to be Christian all across the country, when you look at the actual engagement in church, it's about 5% of our population are actually engaged in the life of a church. 1.9 million people on an average weekend. So what it means is, although 52% claim to be Christian, only one out of 10 of them are actually engaged in the life of a church. This is our mission field, friends. Like, yes, let's send people all around the world and let's support them and let's pray for them. But we have a mission field right in our backyard, right? Add on top of this, the massive theological drift that we see happening in our day. And not just in mainline denoms, but increasingly in evangelical circles. Add to it the deconstructionist and the progressive agendas. Add to it woke political correctness that is elevated above biblical fidelity. And there are certain days that it just feels like that our spiritual family is shrinking right before our eyes. Add things like Bill C-4, anti-conversion therapy, legislation that is so incredibly vague that it leaves parents and teachers and pastors and counselors asking the question, what kind of advice and will our rights be protected as we seek to care for people who are struggling with their sexual identity? What can we say and what cannot we say legally? Add to it the sanctity of life issues in our nation on both ends of the spectrum. From medical assistance and dying at one end to unrestricted abortion at the other end. And at the danger of poking the bear, you can email Ezra if this upsets you. <laughs> I wonder if we have become a culture of death. I want to just throw some numbers up on the screen. 
and you can do your own research. This was just a quick search of deaths in BC in the year 2021. And I wanna give you some numbers. So these first two, you probably heard at least something about. In 2021, there were 2,400 deaths related to the COVID virus. We heard it nightly, the report, every week, X number of people who passed. During that same year, another 1,900 people passed because of the opioid crisis on our streets. And we did hear some of that. There were some reports in our health authorities speaking that we need, to, we need to do something to reach out and fix this crisis. But what you didn't hear in the media are these next two numbers. That in that very same year, 2021, there were 2,300 lives in British Columbia that were legally terminated through medical assistance in dying. And there were additional 12,000 unborn children who died through legal abortion. And we did not hear a peep in the media about those deaths. Why do I say that? What's my point? Well, these are our times. This is our culture. This is our mission field into which we are called to be salt and light and not to run away and hide, but to engage with the love of Christ. And so there is a lot to pray about. And there's a lot of work to be done. And, and I believe that as the days grow darker, I think the opportunities for the church are going to be even brighter. Because I think that people are going to finally see that Jesus is the only viable alternative to a world that's gone crazy. And if we live consistent, loving lives in front of them, they will seek Jesus. So what is our missional challenge? Let me give you five quick points. Number one, and most important is this, that we must remember the promises of God. Number one. So back in Habakkuk chapter two, he says, for the earth will be filled, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then at the end of that chapter, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. You see, Habakkuk in that context was freaking out. He was. Because it was a spiritually dark time in the nation of Israel. And he's crying out, he's like, God, how long? How long, oh Lord? Won't you step in, Lord? Won't you do something? Like, do you feel like crying that today? And the Lord says to him, Habakkuk, don't worry about it. I got this. I'm on call and I'll make you this promise. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And the bottom line is God is going to do what he's going to do. He is faithful. And even in the darkest times of history, he has been on the move. He has always and always will carry his people through dark times. Amen. Number two, we are called to live a radically others-focused life. And that is countercultural. And I think this is how the Christian minority will now make a difference. The going beyond living for just ourselves, but for the good of the other. Going by, beyond our own personal agenda to seek the good of the city. And both as individuals and also corporately as a church. Number three, we've got to grapple with the reality that to be a radically committed follower of Jesus means that we should expect to be out of step with the culture. It means we need to embrace the way of suffering. This is something we're not used to in North America. And yet Jesus said that in this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. He said the world hates me. Don't be surprised if it hates you too. 
But honestly, that's not been our story in North America, right? We're not used to this. Maybe you heard the story about a month ago of the Australian football president. Did you hear this story? A guy who's appointed to be the new president of the Australian Football League, and in 24 hours, he was fired. And you're like, hmm, what'd he do? Must have done something really bad. Well, what happened is, as he's appointed, as is happening these days, they do the research on his background. And somebody found out that he went to a church called City on a Hill Church. So they began to look into that church, and they found out that that church holds to a traditional picture of marriage. One man, one woman for life. And then they said, if you attend a church that teaches that, you are not fit to be the president of our football league. And he was fired. Coming soon to a theater near you. It may be our reality sooner than we believe. But fourth, we've got to see the opportunities in the midst of the chaos. And rather than run to the hills and hunker down and isolate, we look to history and remember that at other times and places when the church had dark days, they flourished. Really interesting historical note. Rodney Stark was a religious sociologist. He just died this summer. He did a lot of work on looking at the rise of Christianity in the Roman Empire. And how did it go from in AD 64 that Nero was trying to kill every Christian and squash it out till AD 313 that Constantine declares Christianity as the official state religion and over 50% of the Roman Empire was supposedly Christian? How did that happen? And what Stark finds in his research, it was not a revolution. It was not explosive growth pattern or a takeover, but it was a slow, steady increase. It was 3 to 4% year after year after year after year for 300 years. And suddenly, all of a sudden, they're in the majority. Doesn't it sound like Jesus? The kingdom's like a mustard seed. The tiniest, and yet it grows to be the largest. It's like yeast that a woman works into the dough and it permeates the whole. It's like salt and light. It's like a field of wheat that there's some... Weeds sown in with that wheat, but don't worry about that. And then number five, finally, we've got to anchor ourselves to the one who is faithful to accomplish all that he is determined to do. We anchor ourselves there. We remind ourselves of what we know to be true. And what we know to be true is that Jesus Christ really lived and he really died and he really rose again that he lived a sinless life and he offered that life as a substitute for you and me, for the penalty for our sin. And that he is sovereign, he is ruling still. And that he is the one in us who is greater than the one who is in the world. And so we anchor ourselves in the fellowship of this community because we desperately need each other in these days. And then we walk out those doors and we go into the mission field with the high praises of God on our lips, with this two-edged sword in our hands, and with the love of Christ in our heart. Hallelujah. And so much more could be said. And we'll come back to this. I mean, these are themes. We talk about them all the time. The mission of the church, our mission field, our missional impulse. But let me just leave you with this reminder from Ephesians 3, and then we'll pray, we'll head on into our service. Now to him who is able 
to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Let me pray for us. Lord, these days are the days that you chose for us. And you're not surprised or shocked. And as much as there are strange things happening from our perspective in this North American context, where we have experienced so much peace and prosperity and freedom, and it's a little unsettling the times that we're living in. Lord, we just anchor ourselves to you, knowing that you are sovereign. You are in control. You're not surprised. In fact, the word would tell us you will use every one of these events ultimately for your glory. And so, Lord God, I pray for our church family. I pray for every individual who's here this weekend and for all who are listening online. Lord, I pray that you would press into us the desire to be radically committed to follow you in the day in and day out of our lives. And Lord, that you would use us. Give us eyes to see and hear and understand the mission field in front of us. Give us joy in supporting people who go around the world with the message, but remind us, Lord, of our own backyard. The men and women, the boys and girls who live right around us, who many of them have never, they've not rejected the gospel because they haven't heard the gospel, Lord. So give us the opportunity, we ask. Open the doors for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.